hear your voice through the discordance of our own fears and insecurities. Amen. Good morning. Growing up, my family served the Trinity, church, softball, and marching band. It was all fun and games until high school. High school marching band is when things really got serious. Once I became a full-fledged member of the Green Machine Marching Band, everything was completely different. I can't begin to tell you how many times I've heard the incomplete sentence this one time at band camp. So let me tell you what band camp was really like. Band camp was five to 10 days of crazy intense work to be on the field at 6.15 for a 6.30 start time. Because in the Dorado marching band, to be early was to be on time, to be on time was to be late, and to be late was to be deadly. It was learning new stretches that you've never heard of, to stretch out muscles that you never knew you even had, only to cramp from low electrolyte counts later. It was getting to meet some very, very cool people and some, well, people who played other instruments. It was memorizing set after set and knowing how many counts it took to get to each one of them. It was the struggle of standing at attention with the torture of that little trickle of sweat dripping off your nose and the burn of sunscreen streaming into your eyes. It was dirty, it was hot, it was smelly, it was painful. But we kept going because it was something that we valued, something that we valued in each other because we knew that though it was beautiful, we all belonged to this very odd community that we were a part of. We valued a shared goal of transforming from individuals into one beautiful machine. We were a 150-member family. The family systems were a bit crazy at times, as you ex would expect, from a family of 150 hormonal youth led by, well, other 150 hormonal youth. We tried together and we cried together. Each instrument section had their own personality. I can still spot a piccolo player, sniff out a trumpet player, and hear the former member of a drum line about a mile away. The band room was sectioned off by instruments, not by law, but by practice, and rarely did we ever go to the other side of the room. But at the end of the day, we were family. It didn't matter that the whole clarinet section dyed their hair green or that the entire trumpet section wore their hats inside out because it was cool. We all belonged and we were all important, vital members of the body. No matter how aggravating, loud, or weird they were, we were all champions of and for each other because we all knew the value of each and every one of the members that made up the whole. 
We knew without doubt that our individual value was more than we could comprehend. With only one person missing, our 150 family was incomplete, and we all felt it. When someone's grades were slipping, we teamed up to help them. When someone began making poor decisions that might get them grounded, suspended, or worse, ineligible, one of us stepped in to have the hard conversation lest we march with an incomplete family. When a fellow band member was being bullied in one of our classes, we stepped in to stop it, lest their light be dimmed and their music soften. Every one of us had value and were valued. Last week, Susan spoke of acceptance and value through unconditional love by a gracious God. This is the same love that tells me I am exactly who I was intended to be. And you, my friends, are exactly who you were intended to be. You were created to hold a specific space in the world, transforming a world of solitary souls into one beloved community. This is part one to this morning's part two. Part two is the idea that you are accepted by something greater than you, not as something that you have to work or earn for, but as something that has been graciously given to us. And, wait for it, so are they. If I am loved and accepted and valued through all the pieces that make me me, then so are you. Because we have been claimed by a loving and gracious God. We are beloved and that, my friends, is our value. This comes with responsibility. We have the responsibility to hold our brothers and sisters in the same light and love and with the same values as we do ourselves, our friends and our family, even if they dye their hair green or wear their hats inside out. Fortunately, this means that we are not in the place of having to determine one's value. However, as a society, we do it all the time. This week, we lost many lives to sea. Like many of you, the news of five passengers aboard the Titan submersible last, the last few days had me so worried for the passengers and their families. I couldn't help but wonder if they were battling feelings of fear, doubt, regret. I grieved for their families who must have felt so afraid and so helpless. Updates on the amounts of oxygen left on board hit like wave after wave as live breaking news updates on my phone, over the radio, on podcasts, on newspaper headlines, in my email, as breaking news on Facebook, and in countless conversations. Was there knocking or was there not? What took so long for OceanGate to report the missing vessel and get the government involved? Reporters, media personalities, and experts of different kinds poured over the contract that was signed by the passengers in order to try to conduct their own assessment of who was at fault. I learned more about submersibles than I ever thought possible. 
I found myself rooting for their rescue and praying that they would be found. With this, the loss of life felt like a very heavy loss. And I pray for the repose of their souls and that their families will be comforted with a stillness beyond our understanding. Scrolling through my news feed towards the end of the feed was a picture of a boat of what looked like a hundred people or so to be on it, which read hundreds of people are thought to have drowned when the overcrowded boat capsized. This week, at the very same time, hundreds of Pakistani, Syrian, Egyptian, and Palestinian refugees and migrants crowded, drowned when on a crowded boat they were fleeing, capsized. The 100 or so passengers were rescued, believe that there were as many as 150 people on board, including 100 children in the hold. As of now, there are 82 confirmed dead and over 500 missing. According to the BBC, this is considered to be one of the worst migrant boat disasters in the Mediterranean in recent years. As different government officials argue about whether or not people on the fishing boat even wanted help, one cannot help but notice the dramatic difference in attention that these two stories got. In Matthew, Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. I can't help but wonder how and why we choose to value people differently. We're making it so much harder on, on ourselves than we need to because we don't have to choose. The gospel calls us to value all of God's children as she does, because we are in her and she is in every one of us, all of us. In fact, we make this promise every time we restart our baptismal vows, to seek and to serve Christ in all persons, loving our neighbors ourselves, and to strive for social justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being. Valuing our neighbors as God does is not a passive practice, but it's a verb, it's an action. We seek and serve Christ in all persons. We will strive for justice and peace among all people and the dignity of every human being. We fight for, we defend, and we nurture the things that we value and hold the most dear. So I ask you this morning, what or who do you value? How do you value the refugee mother who swam through three rivers, crossed two jungles, and a desert to seek a safe place to lay her head at night? How do you value the trans woman who is afraid to leave her home for fear that she might be pulled out of the women's restroom to be beat up? Or the black 13-year-old boy who has gone from being considered cute to now being considered a delinquent just for growing up? 
What about the crossing guard, teacher, librarian, or police officer who works tirelessly to care for and serve us and our children in this community, only to have to travel more than an hour via car, bus, or train to get home because there is not a mortgage or a rent that they can come close to paying? And what about the 20-year-old in Ward 7? who has been touched by gun violence more than 40 times, including the deaths of two of her immediate family members. How do we value her? One of our values at St. Columbus is that we are called to bold action. We practice Christianity to create a just society, seeking allies and nurturing partnerships to serve our neighborhood, our city, and the world. Jesus warns us that it's not always going to be easy becoming a church that looks and acts like Jesus. In fact, it will be hard. People will disagree and fight us on it. He tells us that we have to keep going. We must continue to fight for, defend, and nurture the value that everyone brings to the table, to this table. Because the only thing that can destroy us is denying him before others, denying our neighbors and the blessed place that they hold in the beloved community, denying the value that every one of us holds. Have you noticed that we are marching with an incomplete family? Whom are we missing and whom can you invite? Amen.